3: That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another
1: pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
0: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: The expectation is that we're supposed to be tough. The police officers that investigated, that walked through the home, that had to discover the information, had to record the information. They're human beings. They know this family. This is emotion that you see.
2: Right now on KSL Plus.
4: We don't know why this happened no one will probably know what was going through the minds of these individuals. However, we do know that they were our friends, they were our neighbors, and that we loved them.
2: In the week since eight people were shot and killed in their home in Southern Utah.
1: It's not too often something like this hits very close to home. Uh, In fact, the Hates were my neighbors, the youngest children, Played in my yard with my sons.
2: The small community of Enoch has been hurting.
4: Enoch City is a very close community. And helping. We've had school districts, we've had county, we've had private clinicians that are all ready to jump in, drop everything that they're doing, and come support our students. And that support is just incredible.
2: I'm Matt Rascone, and this week, my conversation with Enix City Manager Rob Dotson, who has been the face and voice of the community during this especially difficult time.
1: I would say it's a great responsibility, but it's a, it's a necessary one, and it's a blessing to be a part of this community. It's um, They're my friends. They're my neighbors. I, I'm just one of them.
2: We talk about the impact this horrific event has had on the city and the good things people have been doing since to support family members, friends, and first responders. Seems like a lot of people, you know, they, they go down there and they just stay down there, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's probably a lot of reasons why,
1: but generally speaking, it's quiet. Normally peaceful. Uh, we have Cedar City right next door, which is a great partner. Um, most of Phoenix City, ninety-five percent of the buildings are residential. So, wow, it's it's mostly a bedroom community for Cedar City, and so we have. And lately, we've had a lot of professionals move here. Um are growing, probably one of the fastest growing cities per capita in the state, even though it doesn't say that on the news. Yeah. Yeah. We're going pretty
2: fast. And and a lot of families.
1: Yes. Yes. Families, quiet area where families, a lot of small families. I mean, young families is what I mean. There's
2: a lot of young families here. If you were to just sort of reflect on the days following and just sort of the impact on the community and, and w- what you're seeing since, uh, h- how would you describe that now that it's your few days removed?
1: Yeah. Now that we're in the next week after this, um, horrific event, um, what's happened is there's been such an outpouring. I don't know how to describe it other than, um, a deluge of requests for help to help, um, In this type of situation, the challenge is, who do you help? Who is it that uh, needs the most help? And and where can those resources go? And typically, in uh, a situation with family, there's going to be some um, immediate family that's left, um, but in this case, they're not. And so right now, the, the extended family, the brothers and sisters and cousins, aunts and uncles, they're the ones who are most impacted by this situation, by what's happened here. And so um, there's been a lot of resources that have been requested to go to those families, specifically for the the funeral or the funerals, specifically to, to help with um, maybe some counseling. Um, and that's the primary focus, I think, that people want to do something. They want to donate. They want to provide something, and that just goes to show what kind of uh, communities we live in, where people, although they weren't um, physically impacted by by the event, they were emotionally, mentally impacted.
2: Well, and that's that's what strikes me about this situation is that you have people that are reaching out, wanting to help, and these are the same people that may need some. Uh, just support themselves right just because of how tight-knit the community is
1: yes and that has been an amazing thing that's come out too is those who have the tools available who have the the expertise the knowledge they have also been a part of that outreach so not only those who are who are wanting to help in monetary or some kind of way um to provide the community with with um their love, the, those that live here, but also those who have tools to help those of us who are impacted emotionally, mentally, um, they're coming out in drools
3: also. shooting, friends and strangers in the community are coming together to help out. The Haight family was well known, they were loved, and its new specialist Matt Rascone shows us people are
2: determined to give back. Yeah, we know so many, those who knew the family and those who didn't. Several of my colleagues and I took off down to Enoch not long after we learned about the shooting. And on one of the mornings, one of my colleagues and I watched a man pull up near the Hates home at around 6 a.m. It was still dark outside. He got out of his car and walked over to a small memorial near the home, brushed off the snow, repositioned the items, and then jumped back in his car and left. The memorial included a wooden bench he had made and several stuffed animals, flowers and candles people had dropped off. I caught up with him a little bit later. He said he was too emotional to talk, but said he and a couple of others in the neighborhood had taken it upon themselves to keep that memorial looking nice. Over the last several days, the offer of help and support to the family and community has only grown
5: Back with the what's really happening in southern utah podcast this is dan kidder today we're going to have in the studio with us the executive director of how to help
2: resources. the community was Her the topic on dan kidder's
5: podcast to talk with us about what has happened in this community and resources that are available for long-time
2: resident of survivors nearby survivors. cedar also
5: city it doesn't matter people from all walks of life will come together in this community i didn't know this family um, but what i did know was is many of the law enforcement officers who had to respond to this tragedy. And we always talk about, you know, what law enforcement officers get paid, but we never ask, what does it cost? You know, there were eight killed, but there were dozens wounded. And they're going to carry that trauma with them uh, for the rest of their lives. They'll never be able to move past what they witnessed in this horrific event. So we started the Friends of the Iron County Sheriff. Um, to work with the sheriff's department, but really with any first responders, and provide resources to them for mental health counseling.
2: Now Kidder is using his nonprofit, Friends of Iron County Sheriff, to gather donations and hold a raffle that will be used to both help law enforcement officers dealing with trauma and help pay for the funeral expenses of the Hate family.
5: My purpose in all of this, and, and I think many of the other people who have a lot of people who are putting on events and, and fundraising, is to help heal and help us to move on beyond this. And, and, you know, it's a shame that this beautiful area of the country and and these beautiful people that live here, the only way people in the rest of the country know about them is through this tragedy. Um, We hope that those who come here as a result of this will see what a great community this is and and the love that the people in this community have for one another. And... uh, that we can move on from this and, and heal, and hopefully be stronger, and that we can honor the memory of this family that deserves to be honored and and deserves to be to, to be able to have peace.
2: Others are also raising money for the family. Some have written notes and dropped them off at city offices. Agencies across the state have sent pizza or cookies. Some have made calls. Others have left messages a man and his service dog, Cooper, visited officers to show them some love.
1: I think the most poignant example I can give, and I might get a little bit emotional, and then please forgive me for that, but this means a lot. Yesterday I was with um, our police chief and a member of a family on site, and a young man was watching by uh, going home from school, a neighbor, and the family member saw him walk by, saw a son on the young man's face, called to him, walked over, said a few words, and gave him a hug, and the boy walked away with a smile. I don't think there's anything more important then, yeah, sending pizza is fantastic. Yeah, having a candlelight vigil is necessary. Um, the, the calls from Kaysville Police Chief, from um, peop, uh, from neighbors and friends, and from oh, it, organizations all over the United States, um, those are great, and those are needed, and those help. But I think the story of the family member and the young neighbor that's what's most important and that's what we need to do from here on forward is to remember that those who suffer need each other and and we can we can do that that's very possible and it doesn't cost anything it be nice to be able to say, okay, this is what happened, exactly. But because the investigation is in place, we can't. But the rumors that are being spread out there by people who say they know, they're not helping anybody. In fact, they cause more anguish and pain on behalf of those who are close. Dude, um, um, if people would just be mindful, and I don't know how you'd stop that. People say things, but wait till the truth comes out before we start spreading lies. That's all I know.
2: Here's what we know so far about the shooting and the days and weeks leading up to it.
0: On the night of January 3rd, Tasha and one of her daughters attended a church event. The morning of January 4th, Tasha missed some kind of appointment. The person she was supposed to meet called police. At 4 o'clock that same afternoon, Tasha, her five kids, and her mother were all found shot to death inside the hate home. The gunman, police say, was Tasha's husband, Michael.
4: Evidence suggests that the suspect took his own life after killing seven others
0: in the home. Exactly two weeks earlier, Tasha had filed for divorce. On the same day, December 21st, the court issued a domestic relations injunction saying both parties must not harass or intimidate each other. It also warns against domestic violence or abuse against the other person or a child.
2: The Enoch police chief also said they had been involved in an investigation of some sort with the family a couple of years ago. He wouldn't go into detail and said they weren't aware of any recent incidents in the home.
1: People need to stop spreading rumors. That's, that's all I can say about the investigation. Like I said, I'd like to say more, you yeah. because that would help. But it just can't happen yet.
2: It will. Is anything more that would come out of that? Would that have to do with the motive and not necessarily change what we know about what happened that day? Right. I. It, the details
1: would, would change people's perspectives about about what happened. And, and as horrible, horrifying as it is, it would set things straight instead of horrific rumors going around.
2: Is there a timeline? I know that's hard to say, but is there a timeline on that at all? Or uh, when not you expect to maybe have more information? I think it's going to be a few weeks, honestly.
3: Now, with the suspected nature of these killings, those working with domestic violence victims are reminding people, help is out there.
0: Crisis response team is on the ground working with the community of Enoch, but there may
1: be difficult... It's hard to describe the scale the as to which people are impacted on Everywhere, every, all the way from the neighbors, who, who went and did chalk art on the driveway of um, the decedent's home, expressing compassion and love, which helped those individuals to, to be a part of something good, of giving, um, giving something of themselves, all the way to the gentleman who called and said he drives by once a day or. Maybe twice a day, and stops by the house and just prays for the first responders, for those who were impacted uh, mentally and emotionally by seeing this, um, the results of this horrific event, and then people who are sending emails and calls from across the nation, um, requesting, wanting to do something for somebody, because it's triggered an emotion in them that is that has been a good thing for them to outreach to, to, to reach out to others and 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 it is global. It is global.
5: It weighs heavy on, on the first responders. We are coming so far in our efforts to destigmatize officers, first responders getting help.
1: First responders have the job to actually go and investigate to make sure that the community is safe um, they're on the front lines and when they see and experience these types of things they have to be able to process these events in their minds and talk about them in an atmosphere where um, being tough is being strong is um, almost horrifying and it is a part of being strong that first responders are able to reach out and to talk about and to process these things with professionals. that That is part of being strong, is not just holding it in, which isn't good, but part of being strong is being vulnerable and saying, yes, this impacted me. That's, there's more strength in that than there is in holding it in, I guess.
5: We've got work to do still. I mean, I know there's agencies who still are a little bit uncertain, and officers who still don't want to say anything for for fear of of their job. And, and we have just got to put that aside and be vulnerable. How large is your is your police department?
1: Uh, we have seven officers, uh, full time officers, and a few part, a
2: couple of part time. And I imagine it's yeah, sort of. It's the whole department that would be involved in this. Plus, I, I understand that you guys are receiving some assistance from the sheriff's office or maybe Cedar City. That's correct. All seven um,
1: officers and uh, part time officers were involved. Directly in um, responding to the incident, and then the the amazing uh, companionship of Iron County Sheriff's Department and Cedar City Police Department coming in at the time and afterwards to just provide immense amount of support, both in investigation and public information, in um, responding to other calls that were happening at the same time in our community. It was it was. A smooth and um, amazing at the response that our partners gave us. It was was beyond um, belief. It was amazing.
0: As the investigation continues, the deaths in Enoch are already sparking conversations on Utah's Capitol Hill.
3: Several bills are in the works to curb domestic violence and better protect victims. I'm curious uh, what
2: what you and maybe the city has made of the just how far-reaching this story has been. Um, with outlets across the nation, across the world, I mean, the White House putting out a statement, and um, and what that's been like for for you guys. It is interesting how
1: word like this of uh, uh, this crisis for our community has out has gone out. Uh, I've received emails from uh, Germany, um, from uh, heard from other countries, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, I mean. We go all around the world with the news and how it is immediate and how social media is immediate and how it puts the word out to all over the place. And so we've had a response back. that has been not surprising, but amazing. Really has been amazing.
0: It kind of hit me like a rock when my oldest said, Mom, we see things like this happen on the news. Um, You hear about it on podcasts. You see Dateline episodes. But it doesn't happen here, and it definitely doesn't happen to people that we know.
2: It's not the sort of news that you, you know, I imagine that Enoch would want people, you know, the first time they hear about the city is to, is to hear about this. Um, what what would you say to the broader community and and those who have been seeing this story about what Enoch is and what the last few days have really shown?
1: To the the broader community, to other um, neighbors and friends throughout the country. I think this event and the the impact that it's had on our, on our community and the communities around us and the world in general is it goes to show really how much one person in life can impact others for good. And I think that's the message that needs to come from this. The family members have been incredibly kind and loving towards so many people who have, have reached out to them um, we have re- received so many um, hundreds of requests to help. We have we have uh, watched the threads of connection come to light. And these connections are what create an environment where we can be healthy, where we can grow, where we can provide service to others. And I think that's the message is this is all going to in the worldview, go away something else is going to come in its place and and people are going a lot of people are going to remember but it's not going to be at the top of their minds however what we do with this event and and understanding the connections that we have with others is what's important. This community is loving each other, is caring for each other is uh, talking with each other um, the individual's that make up our community are are our community. And that's the way it is a lot of places. And I think that if those who have experienced some kind of feeling about, about um, how they want to have their community, we invite them to just care for each other, just talk to each other, know who your neighbors are.
2: Yeah. Are you confident and just Enix's ability to to heal from this. I mean, I, I don't know that you can say he'll move on from it, but, uh, you know, just to, to move forward and, and, and to heal. Yeah, we actually,
1: we we move on, but we move on better. Mm. We move on and we move on stronger. We move on with the intent to produce strength with by giving to others, not necessarily taking. And I think that's the That's the only way to move on and be healthy, is to forget ourselves and think about others.
2: Funeral services for Gail, Tasha, and her five children will be held in southern Utah on Friday for family and friends. The candlelight vigil mentioned will be that same night from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Enoch Recreation Center. If you or anyone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, you can contact the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. There are also resources for those dealing with domestic violence. You can call 1-800-897-LINK, that's 1-800-897-5465, or visit UD vc.org. That does it for us this week on KSL+. I'm Matt Rascone. I'll see you again next week.
3: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.